This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by LivePlan. Did you know that millions of small businesses use LivePlan products to start their business? Did you know that these small businesses prefer a cloud-based accounting solution two times more versus a desktop solution? Did you know that 89% of these small business owners prefer virtual advisory services? Did you know that the number one thing they want from an expert advisor is strategic planning and review? This is even more than general ledger accounting and bookkeeping services. Did you know that LivePlan has an expert advisory directory that you can join to gain access to these millions of small businesses? To learn more about becoming a LivePlan expert advisor, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash LivePlan. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash L-I-V-E-P-L-A-N. And be sure to check out the LivePlan method to learn how to grow and scale your advisory business. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And I'm Ben Richmond. All right, Ben, great to talk to you. You are the, what's your title, VP of Growth? Yes, I look after growth for the Americas. So that's all our, basically our, predominantly our partner channel with mm-hmm. accountants and bookkeepers, uh, our direct to small business channel, which with the teams across Canada and the US. All right. So, Blake, this is your first time kind of talking to Ben. I just got lucky last night and sat next to him at dinner, and I made him stop talking because he had some interesting perspectives on, you know, we talk about this on the podcast all the time. This is like the summary of advisory. Everywhere you go is advisory, advisory, advisory. Even in the keynotes today at Zerocon, again, advisory is so important. But Ben was talking, he has some kind of theories on advisory, his importance of view on advisory, and I told him to stop talking and sit for the podcast. So let's just jump in, Ben. Please kind of give us your view of advisory and like where it fits in. Yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting as we've seen this transformation start to happen uh, in the accounting and bookkeeping space, particularly in the accounting profession, advisory has become the big thing. And as we've sort of, the thought leaders, we've all driven and driven the advisory thing. And it, what's, I think we're getting to a point where it's almost scaring a lot of key partners. And you know, we're really passionate about how do we take a whole lot of partners on this journey to doing better advisory, to doing better stuff for small business. But it's actually okay. not one or the other. Because a lot of the messaging is do advising or die. Yeah. Get out of compliance. Yeah. Don't Compliance do is dead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Tax is going to be gone. It's going to be automated. Accounting is going to be automated. Yeah. And I mean, even in, even in the Commonwealth countries around the world where they've simplified their tax engines a lot, we're still seeing compliance as a great business. So we don't see it as one or the other. We actually see it's very interconnected. I draw the infinity wheel that we're all used to. I know it's a bit of a buzzword, but if you think about compliance as the foundation, uh, what we're seeing is if you can help particularly practices understand getting their compliance business as it is today online, which means they start to connect with the client more regularly and become more efficient, that efficiency frees up time. That connection opens up the advisory opportunity. And often they'll grow down the advisory journey without even realizing it. And as you do more advisory, that actually starts to see your regular engagement with the client go up which means the tax return is not this mess arriving at the end of the year. So it actually creates a more profitable tax return business. So both of them should spin off each other. It's very hard to do one without each other. You can do tax on its own, but uh, as you get it online, you're going to have bigger opportunity to go into advisory. The second thing I think is we're scaring people with it. I don't know how many um, partners I've sat with and said, explain to me what advisory is. I mean, there's so many, we're making the big black box seem bigger and bigger and bigger. And our North American benchmarking survey showed if the advisory opportunity is, let's say, $10 extra revenue, $6.50 sits in what we call the simple advisory bucket. That's budgeting, forecasting, tax planning, meeting with your client more regularly around growth and, and, and things like that. Accountants know how to do that. Bookkeepers have done that as well. We've done that for years. We could only do it with a myriad of spreadsheets and our higher, bigger clients. But using technology, you can now take that across 
minimal clients at scale and right down to the mum and dad small business, which is I think is where we, you know, together we can do some pretty awesome stuff for the small business economy. So that's our, we're passionate about that. So we don't believe in this compliance apocalypse. It definitely is becoming more automated. It's definitely parts of it become more commoditized. But, you know, I've had a lot of partners say to me, I, I feel like I'm a bad person for doing compliance sometimes when I come away from these conferences. I mean, it's like, no, compliance is still great. Someone needs to do it. And the tax systems, particularly in the United States, it's not getting any easier. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Somebody needs to make bumper stickers or T-shirts that says, like, I care because I do compliance yeah. or something like that. <laughs> I I'm, heart. I'm, I'm important, too. <laughs> I heart compliance. So what's your biggest challenge in your role as, as VP of business growth in America's yeah, I think the biggest thing for us is, um, you know, the United States for zero is a significant market. You know, it's the largest small business market in the world. And I think that opportunity and size can be a really positive thing, but can also be something that can easily lead you down the wrong path. And so our big focus over the last two and a half years has been what's worked globally for us that we think is relevant to the United States. And I think there's a lot of things that are more is the same than is different. You know, the challenges and the things that are on the mind of small business and accountants and bookkeepers is pretty much the same. And I've spent a lot of time, I've been with Zero for seven years, I've been in the New Zealand market for four. I've spent an enormous amount of time over the last two and a half years everywhere across the United States. I've been to places in Alabama I, I can't even remember the name of. Um, and, and for me, the, the, it's the same things that are top of mind. Now, there are differences, but I think we've spent a lot of time going, what parts of the global playbook are relevant? And then where are the differences? And let's focus on those. And I think so getting us aligned around that and not trying to win the whole thing at once. So for us, mm. with our partner community, we want to be in the community with them, you know, meeting them across the table, helping them go on this journey of transforming their firm and also being with them in the small business community. And so I think, you know, Blake, you spent some time with Jackie in, in Houston and have experienced those community teams that mm -hmm. are out there building that momentum. And yeah. so building that out and getting the business ready for scale is our biggest challenge. You saw today, uh, yesterday we talked about book to tax, so making sure that you know our platforms work really well for accountants and bookkeepers as they have to do that last mile of the workflow. Because we're super passionate, I mean, the business was founded with a, a small business guy running around building technology and his accountant saying, I need your staff to do your tax return. Mm -hmm. And getting together and going, how do we do this together on the same platform? And we call that the single ledger. And f so for us, things like book to tax, are just as important as the super innovative features, right? Because helping a accountant do their workflow in the same data set, the small businesses, takes that data friction away. And again, that beautiful Xfinity curve, we keep yeah. infinity, not Xfinity. Yeah, bringing it back to advisory, <laughs> yeah. right? You, you automate that flow. Yeah. You're not having to export to Excel and then reformat into those mappings. Is that how it works? That's the way I understand it. You can map directly to those tax line items. Correct, yeah. So we want to... Yeah. Account, the, there's the client view, which then becomes the book view as you do end of year adjustments, which then become the tax adjustments to get to your tax view. And so we yeah. want to have, have that workflow sitting within zero and then be really agnostic to the tax filing providers that are out there. So clients and partners using our software can seamlessly flow through into those tax filing softwares, but they can keep all the data in one place and work together with their client. Probably going back to your first question, my biggest challenge coming to the US is probably my accent, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I've been working on that. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Halon Tax. As a new business owner and first-time tax filer, I needed a peace of mind knowing that my S-Corp return was done correctly. I signed up for Halon Tax, connected to my QuickBooks Online, filled out about four fields in a wizard, clarified two small items with the Halon Tax team. A few days later, I got a text telling me my return was finished. I launched Halon Tax and e-signed my return. The whole end-to-end -end process was painless and, frankly, kind of amazing. Now, Halon Tax is working with bookkeepers and accountants like yourself to offer the same amazing experience to your small business clients. 
They're even offering a one-year free trial to all your clients. This even includes your own dedicated tax CPA. To learn more about this exciting offer from Halon Tax, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash Halon Tax. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash H-A-L-O-N-T-A-X. And oh yeah, Halon Tax works great with zero and wave two. Let's talk a bit about your background because you're fairly young for your role. Like, how did you get to be where you're at? Yeah, so I grew up in a small business family that had grown businesses all around around New Zealand. My mum was a very, she was a big, she was the salesperson side of the equation. My father was the more engineering side. And so we had to learn to answer the phone after hours because, you know, in small business, the phones click back to the house. So we were taught to be professional from a young age. Mm. Did some stuff with marketing in this young enterprise program that we did in New Zealand and then made this choice to jump into accounting. At 17, I joined a large CPA firm in New Zealand and everyone was like, what are you doing? And I really wanted to get a foundation, you know, understanding the P&L and the balance sheet. It was something my mother didn't quite, she could grow, 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 but understanding a balance sheet wasn't her thing. And so I had a lot of fun in public practice. I did five years there. I built our firm's work paper compliance solution onto Excel and uh, two staff threatened to quit because they didn't know what was wrong with our paper version. So I experienced the pain <laughs> of trying to change even yeah. the smallest process. And then from there, I jumped into telco. I was lucky I was in the only US listed company in New Zealand, so I got to experience things like socks and um, Sarbanes-Oxley and all that sort of good oh, what, a, what a lovely opportunity. <laughs> it was, yeah. I, I, I got a chance to use the Lean program to try and get us more efficient with it. And so I got a lot of experience there, and I met one of the directors at Zero. We were both judging a young enterprise thing, and I jumped across nearly seven years ago and haven't looked back. I do feel like I'm in the same movie again when I joined Zero in New Zealand. Uh, we were like people that were a photocopier company. Yep. Um, so well, I have to say that when I uh, checked in at the hotel, they asked me if I was here for the Xerox conference. <laughs> I get really excited about pages per minute. Yeah. But no, and then and from there, so you know, ran New Zealand and the growth there, developed our agriculture vertical strategy, which we've actually launched into the Midwest here in the US, um, building out a full oh, ecosystem. Yeah. And then, you know, I was talking to Rod two and a half years ago and got the chance to jump up up here. And, and uh, it was fun. New Zealand was taking us from the early adopter market through to becoming scaled in the mass market. Um, and that was fun. I sort of, we sort of left New Zealand with the, the business being the Coca-Cola. And then and so it feels like I've jumped back up into the movie and, you know, cloud adoption is starting to happen. People are starting to now talk. We know what the cloud is. It's more how do we do it. Mm-hmm. And so back to earlier conversation, it's been for me getting the teams right, making sure we're supporting our partners. And actually, it's not a fast journey, this journey. You guys have been on it for a while as well, right? You've got to help partners go through this change and, and same with small business. So I don't think we need to scare to make people change. We just need to get alongside them and, sh- and show them those steps. And uh, I was talking to David last night. It's exciting where technology is going. You know, we're, we're seeing the discussion around blockchain come out and things like that. And they are going to come. What worries me, though, is is are we talking too far down the... You know, yeah. we, we well, well, That's a good example. You talk about we're scaring people at advising, but you said you observed some guy who was in a session about blockchain and he came out. So that's right. Yeah, I don't, and I want to avoid us being like the, you know, we, we put someone on the moon before we put wheels on suitcases. And so this, this guy came out of a session and said to me, I'm, Ben, I'm super worried about blockchain. And I said, oh, tell me about your practice. And he was 90% desktop. And so for me, it was like, you're worried about running a full yeah, Ironman. Yeah. We need to get you doing a half marathon first. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get you positioned to take advantage of those things as they happen. So I guess it's a lesson for all the conferences, the talks you were scheduled, the speakers you schedule. Like, stop scaring people. 
with well, things they don't yeah. need to really be concerned with. And stop going too far into the future, right? It's fun to do sessions like that where you say, okay, what's going to be the future, you know, blockchain, but nobody is using it. You see surveys of, of like controllers and CFOs mm. and they're all saying, oh yeah, maybe like four or 5% have investigated it. I think in a recent Deloitte poll, 0% were actually using it. Yeah. So is it really that much of a threat right now? Whereas, like you said, there are firms that are still not on cloud. Right. Yeah, I think you've got to keep your eye out. I think, you know, we do need to show what the future looks like and show that putting someone back on the moon type thing. Mm. But then make sure we're quickly bringing it back to here are the steps we need to do today. Yeah. And here's the, the biggest impact today. And again, I go back to that advisory thing. If you want to take advantage of the biggest revenue upside from advisory, do budgeting and forecasting and regular meetings with more of your clients. Yeah. And that's not some new Star Wars thing we haven't done. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest barriers to innovation at especially large firms here in the U.S., seems to be that they're so freaking profitable. Yep. Right? So they don't actually explicitly say it, but if I talk to a partner at a firm, it's like, why would I change what's working when I'm making 20% margins? So you know, how do you address that kind of resistance there? Yeah, I think, and it's, it comes back to actually two things. One, I'm like, you know, Kodak's most profitable year was the year before it had the big collapse. But actually breaking it down, so instead, again, talking the Star Wars things and do advice, actually breaking it down with their existing, com- everyone's efficient. If I had a dollar for every firm that said we're very unique, we're probably one of the more efficient firms you've met, I would be um, on the beach probably somewhere. Um, <laughs> but we actually do a lot more process work with firms now. So we actually talk to that. You know, you think about the move to value-based billing. A lot of firms, and I grew up with six-minute units, we've, I've got a real hangover from that, and so we threw time out the window. Mm-hmm. But actually if you can still find a way to track time as an input, not bill off it, to understand better pricing strategy, to understand better where is my process and efficiencies and bottlenecks happening, that speaks to those partners because they are in that mindset. So you speak to that mindset of, well, let me see where I can add efficiency into your practice and then from that, let's see where we can then start to grow revenue and gross margins. So if you talk more at that, um, I think you bring those people on the journey. I do think there are partners in these large firms that do, do see the vision and want to drive it. They need to think about how they spread that within their practices. I mean, what are the KPIs you're putting on your people, on other partners? Because a lot of the ways they do that don't drive a change mindset. You know, to give an example, we did a big pilot with a big firm and a lot of these staff that were stressed about change were like, well, we're heavily KPI'd on our billing around what's, what's actual billing that we can bill out and our productivity. And so I'm scared to try something new because... Innovation is inefficient. Yeah. If I try something new, it's going to drop and I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. And so they have to think about making those KPIs or just making it safe for people to try and innovate. So yeah, two things. Make it safe. Think about the KPIs. And on the vendor side and us, as we support the profession, it's actually speak to that language. Because, you know, I going back to our Infinity, I keep saying Xfinity, I'm not pushing Comcast. <laughs> um, is, but if they want a sponsor, yeah, 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 that would be a good sponsor to get. That's what gets them going, and actually this stuff does drive a lot of efficiency in a compliance firm without even having to go to advisory, and so yeah. you talk to their heart. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective because I'm kind of listening to you talk about this, and instead of accountants having to do something because they're told to do it, switch to cloud, do this, do advisory, do this, if they just focus on their internal processes and like, okay, this process could be improved a little bit, maybe the answer to that is, oh, we need to switch to cloud. And maybe mm. this little process needs to be changed. Like kind of attacking it from the process point of view will kind of tell you what to do next instead of everybody else telling you what to do next. Yeah, and I know um, so I know lean is a very topical thing across the different thought leaders in the US. And I've heard very pro-lean people and very anti-lean people. And 
it is oh, like lean, lean startup methodology. Lean startup, yeah. Okay. yeah. But even the, using lean process for engineering, like the simplest, I, I used to do things with, with partners where I'd say, hey, how are you testing what your customers value in you and how they see you as different to the, the competitor down the road? And a lot of firms haven't got a way to test that. And so you get them to start thinking about that. And you go, let's just do a quick process map of an end of year tax job. And let's put each process into three buckets. Is it a value add, which means it's adding to that thing that your client values you for? Or is it one of the two types of waste? Is it necessary waste? You know, I've got to do this for a regulatory reason or to comply with professional standards. Or is it an absolute waste thing? Ben likes that to be done that way because he's always done it that way since he started the firm. And that's absolute waste. And just that simple thing, it changes their mindset to be like, okay, I'll put that up and then they'll actually self-regulate. Like, actually, no, we do need to probably drop that process. Because then they can go, okay, going to the cloud will make us faster there. It'll help cut out those two things there. It won't allow us to do that very well, but actually it's not a very important process to the customer and we could probably get away with not having it. So I think those sort of processes do help move the mindset for firms around change. And it's very it's very analytical, which is how a lot of our brains are wired as, as accountants. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us, Ben. If people want to connect with you, learn more about you, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, so um, you'll find me on Twitter. I think it's at Ben Richmond One. It's the hardest word for me to pronounce. Is my actual name? <laughs> Starbucks, yeah, coffee for Ben. And feel free to email me directly. So it's Ben Richmond at zero dot com. Obviously, zero with an X. Yeah, X E R O dot com. That's it. All right, cool. And uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Blake T Oliver. And find me on Twitter. I'm at David Leary. And uh, this was fun. Thanks, thanks, Ben. Awesome, thanks, thanks guys. Right, thank you. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by TOA Global. As you know, most firms struggle with attracting, managing, and retaining staff. And finding staff is getting tougher every day. This is where TOA Global can help. TOA Global is the most professional outsourcing partner to help you build and manage a global accounting team. By building a global team, you'll be able to take away the time-consuming process-oriented work from your local team while building a cost-effective team offshore. As people experts, TOA Global can help you select and develop your best team members easily using their expert ecosystem of people, security, technology, and professional development tools. To learn how to build your world-class team today, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash TOA Global. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash T-O-A-G-L-O-B-A-L. Thank you.